Uh, well, good morning, everybody. It is so nice to see everybody here today, whether you're here in the room or joining us over in the chapel. We're just so glad that you've joined us for worship uh, as we lift up the name of God together today. Uh, my name is Dagny. I'm the pastor of traditional worship here at Calvary, which means you can usually find me over in the chapel on Sunday mornings, but I'm super excited to be here with everybody on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. I feel like for so many years, Memorial Day weekend has had rain, and so praise God for the sunshine today. I've always loved Memorial Day weekend because for so many years it has meant a long weekend at the cabin with my family and the kickoff of our summer and a really hot summer in Minnesota. And I have such wonderful memories of grilling on the deck with my grandpa or launching his sailboat or even swimming in the super cold water, but only if the sun was hot enough. But Memorial Day, as we know, is about so much more than barbecues and the beginning of summer. Because first and foremost, Memorial Day is about remembering and honoring our nation's fallen heroes. Those men and women who died in service to our country. And we know that Memorial Day might be a difficult day for some of you, a day of mourning and of loss. And we want you to know that you are in our hearts this morning, and if you need prayer and support, we have an incredible prayer team who would love to pray with you after the service today. I've actually spent a lot of time over the past few months thinking about prayer and about how to pray well. And I think Memorial Day gives us an opportunity to reflect on things like peace and freedom and on what it looks like for us to rely on God, not only for our nation, but for our personal and private lives as well. We continue to find ourselves in pretty turbulent times. There's war and crime, deep division, not only between political parties, but between neighbors and family members. Or on a level that might be a little bit closer to home, our mental health is suffering. Our relationships can be confusing and challenging. Jobs are hard to come by. And there's often a sense of fear surrounding what might happen next. And so if you're anything like me, you might be struggling with knowing how to pray. I think it's easier for us to pray when things are going well. When we're happy and we're healthy and our bank account is full. Or when we have plenty of time on our hands, our family's getting along, and we're experiencing success. But what about when things aren't going well? When we have a sick friend or sick family member? When we're uncertain about what the future holds? When we're in pain or confused or angry? How should we pray then? Think for a moment how you might answer that question. How should we pray? And what does faithful prayer actually look like? I think if we're being honest with ourselves, sometimes saying that we're just gonna sit back and trust that God will give us what we need without even asking seems more faithful. It somehow seems holier and more biblical or more trusting. Praying in this way or maybe not praying at all and just hoping that God does good things can seem to indicate a more mature faith and deeper trust in God. But I have found that sometimes, maybe even most times, this response might be a cover-up. 
a deflection when we've actually given up hope. Sometimes saying that we are sitting back and trusting God is actually a way of protecting ourselves from disappointment or protecting ourselves from having to deal with an answer that we're just not prepared for. Sometimes not honestly and desperately praying to God for what we want and need might be a sign that we're drifting away from him. A sign that we're becoming unwilling to engage with him altogether for fear of what he might say. And so we pray and claim this false sense of rest and peace, but then continue on with our worry and our panic and our attempts to control the situation we find ourselves in. I have a lot of personal experience with this false sense of rest and peace in my prayers or in my choice to not pray. For several years now, I have struggled with pretty severe pain in my joints. My ankles, my knees, my hips, my back and shoulders, any joint, you name it, I probably have pain there. And I have chased that pain. I have tried to find its origin. I've tried to fix it or find someone else who could fix it. Driving myself crazy with doctor's appointments and physical therapy and medication and surgeries and scans all while praying things like, I give it all to you, God. Whatever you wanna do, I'm fine with it. But I wasn't fine with it. And for a long time, I avoided bringing my honest feelings of frustration and of anger to the Lord in prayer because telling him that I was at rest, telling him and the people around me that I trusted him, even while I sought to fix the problem myself, somehow felt more faithful. But when we look all throughout the Bible, we see a much fuller picture of prayer and of what it looks like to respond faithfully in prayer when things are going our way and especially when they aren't. In Matthew's gospel, when the disciples had questions about how to pray, Jesus told them to ask and it will be given. Or in the Gospel of John, he told them that if we abide in him, we can ask for whatever we wish and it will be done. We see Jesus' answer to questions about prayer again in Luke's Gospel when Jesus exhorts his disciples to actively, actively and always pray and to not lose heart. And he shares with them the parable of the persistent widow. Now in this parable, there was a judge who didn't fear God, and he certainly didn't care much about people. And a widow came to him time and time again, over and over and over again, asking for justice. The judge refused and refused until one day when the widow came to him again, and he finally saw to it that she received justice. Now after telling this story, Jesus said, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. See, right away, Jesus likens the widow's persistence to the way that we should cry out to God regularly in our prayers. 
again and again, not stuffing our burdens down and pretending to be at peace or at rest, but approaching him constantly with our requests and our needs. See, when Jesus speaks and teaches about faith and about prayer, he tells us over and over again to bring our honest requests, our honest questions, our confusion, our doubts, and even our anger to God with boldness and with persistence. In other words, Jesus teaches us to wrestle with God in our prayers. We see this lesson and this truth lived out in the stories of Moses and in the stories of David, or in the New Testament, we see Paul wrestling in prayer, and even Jesus, when he came before God the Father with all of his fear and painful anticipation in the Garden of Gethsemane. But there's an incredible story in the Old Testament that lays this teaching out so beautifully and really shows us what comes out of wrestling with God and how God uses that prayerful struggle for good. And it's the story of Jacob physically wrestling with God. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me to Genesis 32, and we're gonna be starting in verse 24. Now Jacob, if you remember, was the son of Isaac and the twin brother to Esau. And when Jacob and Esau were younger, Jacob tricked Esau into giving him his birthright and then deceived their father into giving him the blessing that rightfully belonged to his brother. And then for years, Jacob used his skills at deceiving and tricking people around him to increase and expand his power, his wealth, his land, and his family. And in Genesis 32, Jacob is on his way back home to Canaan with his tribe of wives and children after being gone for 20 years. And at this point in the story, we read that Jacob is terrified. He is absolutely scared to death because his brother Esau is coming to meet him. Now, way back when Jacob stole the birthright from Esau, Esau vowed that he would kill Jacob. And so as Jacob is approaching his homeland of Canaan, Esau is there waiting for him and he has 400 men with him. And Jacob knows that this is not a welcome party, but this is an army. So in a panic, Jacob splits up his household into two camps to try and avoid an annihilation of his entire family. And he sends one half onward across the river and keeps one half back with him. The day is ending. And so Jacob tries to rest and get some sleep. But at some point in the night, he panics again, realizing that his plan to separate the family won't work. And so he sends the rest of his family across the river as well. Jacob is filled with fear and uncertainty and panic, no doubt trying to cling to God's promises and demonstrate a great sense of faith, but ultimately unsure with what to do with his feelings of fear and dread about what the morning will bring. And then we read Genesis 32, starting in verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man came to him and wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. 
Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he replied. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him, and he was limping because of his hip. This is such a strange and confusing story. It's such a weird wrestling match between God and man. And there is so much to unpack in this story, mostly because it's not a very long story. But I want us to take note of two very important things that happen in these verses. First, God drew close to Jacob. Now, if you've ever been in a wrestling match, whether with your siblings in the backyard or maybe on a team at school, you know that in wrestling, there can be no detachment or apathy. In order to wrestle with someone, you have to get into their personal space. Wrestling requires direct and constant contact. And so, just as it was with Jacob, it is by wrestling that we come into direct contact with our creator. And the beauty is that we don't have to search and search for God in order to be close to him and in order to wrestle. The story of Jacob shows us that in his time of fear and need, it was God who approached him. God who found him. God who came to Jacob in the middle of the night and said, let's wrestle, not the other way around. What this indicates to us is that God wants to draw near to you and to me. God wants to wrestle in our times of fear and pain and sorrow. He doesn't want to hear false claims that we're okay, that we're just going to sit and trust him. He doesn't hear our cries and turn away. No, God desires honest intimacy with each one of us and will even drag us into a wrestling match to get it. The second thing to note about this story is that Jacob's faith was renewed. Jacob began the night believing that his greatest need was to escape his brother Esau. He knew that God had promised that his line would be great and now Esau was posing a threat to that promise. Jacob's faith in that promise was fading and it seemed to all hinge on this one moment with Esau's wrath in view across the river. But by wrestling with God, Jacob ended the night knowing that his greatest need was to trust in the Lord, to rest in his promises. He was even injured during the fight and had a limp making him more vulnerable and more weak, further highlighting in a physical way his need to rely on God as he went to meet his angry brother. I find it so interesting that God didn't simply speak to Jacob in a dream or in a vision in order to reiterate his promise. 
Instead, God addressed Jacob's fears and doubts by requiring him to struggle and to see for himself that what he needed most was to rely on God in every way. Through a long and painful wrestling match with God, Jacob was transformed from a fearing man into a trusting man, which is even reflected in his name change. God himself sealed this renewed faith with a new name, Israel. Jacob would no longer be known as a deceiver, but as one who had wrestled with God and then came out the other side. Now the reality is that most of us, probably all of us, will not be called upon to physically wrestle with God. But think back to what Jesus taught his disciples. We are taught to prayerfully wrestle with God. And when he invites us into that match, it's not because he's reluctant to bless us or to give us rest. And it's not because we have to somehow earn his blessing or rest. No, when God invites us to wrestle with him, it is because he has more blessings in store for us through the struggle, the blessing of closeness and intimacy, the blessing of renewed and refreshed faith, the blessing of finding true rest in him alone when you are desperate enough to cling to him and pray the words, I need you and I will not let you go. Remember, God pursued Jacob. God was the initiator. Jacob was stewing in his own anxiety and fear of Esau and the approaching army when God showed up. And the same is true for us. Scripture tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted, that he is the good shepherd who is with us in the darkest valley. God shows up, but it is on us to respond to his invitation. Wrestling is what drew Jacob out of his fearful preoccupation and forced him to focus on God. And it can do the same for each of us. And so when things seem impossible, when things are frightening or frustrating, when we're exhausted and desperate for healing or when we're alone in our suffering and scared to even open that can of worms before the Lord, how should we pray? How should we respond? God calls us to wrestle, to respond boldly to his invitation into the struggle, to pray without ceasing, to hold nothing back, to give him all we've got because he wants to be up close and personal. God meets us in our anguish and fear and uncertainty just like he met Jacob just like he met Moses and David and Paul and Jesus in their prayers. And it is in that intimacy that true rest in the Lord is found. Now maybe this morning you're stuck in a false sense of rest, avoiding brutal honesty with God, putting on a facade of trust and peace, but beneath the surface there is panic and worry or maybe just plain exhaustion. But what would it look like? What would it take for you to wrestle with God? 
Or maybe this morning you're in the thick of a wrestling match. Your prayers are exhausting and your cries are making your throat sore. I hope and pray that in those moments you think of Jacob. What would it look like to respond as he did by clinging even tighter to God and not letting go? Well, no matter where you find yourself this morning, I want to invite and encourage you to lean into this invitation. What would it look like in your own life to respond with faithful prayer in this way? To say yes to God's invitation to get up close and personal. It might be uncomfortable. It might be scary and exhausting, but if you're anything like me, even today as I continue to deal with my own physical pain, you're desperate for the blessings that come through the wrestling. Desperate for intimacy with God and for a renewal of your faith in the midst of the chaos we experience daily. And if that's you this morning, if any of this is stirring in your heart, don't shy away from it. Don't leave here this morning without stepping into that struggle, whether by praying with our prayer team, asking a friend or family member to pray for you, or by simply saying yes to God's invitation. Honest and persistent prayer takes faith, and it takes wisdom, and it takes courage. And God promises to meet us there. So pray bold and daring prayers. Pray with persistence and with honesty. Cry out day and night for what you need. Remind God of his promises and ask that he keep them. Pray without ceasing. Ask, seek, and knock because when your wrestling is finished and God finally says to you, let me go for it is daybreak, no matter what his answer is, you'll be left with an intimacy so much sweeter than you may have ever known and a true sense of rest and faith in the one who is worthy of all of our worship, all of our trust, and all of our praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning just eager for more of you eager for you to show up in our chaos and desperate to find rest in you alone. God, so many of us this morning are tired, worried or angry or anxious. And I pray, Lord, that you would open each of our hearts to you. Give us the courage to respond to your invitation to wrestle and to then wrestle boldly and without restraint in our prayers. Increase and refresh our faith. God, we thank you for coming to each one of us, no matter what we throw at you, just as you came to Jacob. God, we thank you that you are good and that you keep your promises and that you've chosen us as your children. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.